Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. Are you watching closely? To begin. I just, I'm bored. Gonna start. What plaything can you offer me today? Here's the deal. Just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Okay, welcome to Cock and Bull Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. A podcast in which, eventually, ostensibly, at some point, we will be talking about the 2005 film Tristram Shandy, a cock and bull story, one minute at a time. Good lord, what is this story all about? Cock and a bull story. Here's your host, me, Robert Black. And we're here again talking about uh, Life as a House and Mother with guest Sarah Black. By the way, in case you didn't notice, uh, we're recording in a different thing than usual. I'm not used to being in the same room with my guest. <laughs> and we watched the movies together in the last few days, so it's been very different. Trying not to talk about the movies before we were recording. And then she, I, I just ruined it now. She can be a little more obsessive than me, especially on this show. I don't have any notes. The only notes I wrote down were what movies these were up against in the previous rounds on the bracket. She's got pages of typed notes that she did for the movies. I did, of course, write about Life as a House for a week in my blog in July 2015 and had a rather wordy entry about Mother when it came out in the blog as well. And both are worthy of doing an actual Movies by Minutes kind of show, not like this one, where we avoid talking about the movie. By the way... Neither of these movies has actually beaten a movie in the previous rounds, in case you haven't been keeping up. Nor did either one lose to anything. They both were cheats to keep in the, in the thing. Because uh, Mother went up against Ruby Sparks, and I wanted both. And Life is a House went up against Punch Drunk Love, and I wanted both. So they were staying in either way. This is why brackets don't work for me. <laughs> but anyway, we were talking about transitions. Yes, and this is a perfect time for me to transition into one of the pivotal scenes in the film, which is when George finally tells his son that he has cancer, although I don't believe he... Does he use the word cancer? He has, he says, I'm having a problem with cancer. Okay, he does, right. So, um, in this scene, he says that something bad can force something good. Yep. And this is something that also comes up in Mother Later, when the baby is sacrificed and he says that yeah. he hopes that... <laughs> they need to figure out forgive because something, yeah, makes something of it. Yes. And so I think one of the big moral lessons of the film is that while George is confronted by his own mortality before he finds the strength to deal with his trauma, that we as the audience don't have to wait for a catastrophic event to confront our own. We can make the choice to examine how our childhood traumas have, have damaged us and have hurt us and how we unleash that damage on, on those around us. I know that sounds kind of trite. It's really difficult. It's lifelong work. It's something that we have to think about. I will take your trite and raise it to flippant and say, <laughs> it's 2020. I think we all can face our mortality right now. Like, you yeah. know, pandemics and riots and Trump and whatever. Yes. Yes. If you need pandemics and riots and Trump to be the catalyst to deal with your childhood trauma, then absolutely. <laughs> so while I do think that we can offer ourselves to others, even broken, and I do think that we can help one another heal, but I, I think unless we simultaneously 
do that by working on ourselves, then our loved ones become more of saviors rather than intimate partners. That's, yeah, that's been a big part of my other show, Two Minutes About Time, actually, where we basically, a big message of that movie is you can't fix other people's problems. You can be there to help them work through what they're going to work through. But if they don't choose it, you can't just fix what's wrong with them. They're going to be who they're going to be. And then ultimately, if we are saviors rather than intimate partners, or we're the person relying on a savior, we end up resenting that person for not beating our needs. And ultimately. Ultimately, they can't feed our needs. It's impossible because you can't fill an endless void and you can't really deal with a void until you're working on that process yourself. Another crossover with money. (laughs) That's God's problem. Yes. (laughs) And so in George's building of his house, his venturing out of his shed, his dark id, so to speak, and creating in the present that serves not only to bond him with his son, But it also bonds minor characters. Sam and Alyssa are bonded over the building of the house. It also helps to heal the past hurts with his ex-wife, Robin. So we start to see that turning point in the bonding demonstrated visually with the house being built in all types of weathers. We see the dog, who's a common symbol of family harmony, watching it all unfold happily, lying in the grass, chewing on a toy. And so moving on to, to George and Robin. Um, after George and Robin are bonding through the building of the house together and through through talking, he tells her that she should stop coming by the house so much. Robin confronts George about this and insists that he tells her to her face, and he does tell her to her face. However, it's really clear in the nonverbals of his face that he's in love with her and he does want her around. 
but that he doesn't trust himself around her and right. that it's very painful for him to be around her. But well, I think he's, of he also at that point, he, I don't think he wants to tell people he's dying until he has to. Because he wants this experience to be its own thing for them. It might be about his death and his mortality for him because he has that knowledge, but he, as long as he can keep them from having it, he wants to. So when he does finally admit that he's in love with her, he tells her, love is not enough, not even close. If I weren't married... Should we do this? I need to know. What? Do I still love you? Absolutely. There's not a doubt in my mind. Through all my anger, my ego, I was always faithful in my love for you. That I made you doubt it. That is the great mistake of a life full of mistakes. Truth doesn't set us free, Robin. I can tell you I love you as many times as you can stand to hear it, and all that does, the only thing, is remind us love is not enough. Not even close. And my first reaction to that being, I don't know, kind of the person that is highly romantic is just like, I refuse to believe that love is the only thing. I know it's kind of teenagerish. I don't care. <laughs> love is like oxygen. What? Love is a many splendid thing. What? Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. Please don't start that again. All you need is love. A girl has got to eat. All you need is love. She'll end up on the street. All you need is love. But the the foundation, I, I realize what he meant though, because the foundation of the love has to be also in creation. George and Robin can be in love, but without sharing. You don't do anything with it. It doesn't mean anything. Or, well, it means something, but it's not, yeah, it's not enough. Yes. Because you have to have shared goals and you have to have a place to grow and cultivate a love. Yeah. And yeah, it's not finite. It's not we're in love, you get married, and it's over. You have to keep doing that. And they yes. stopped doing that because he couldn't manage. And in the movie, we've seen that she has stopped doing that with her new husband. Yes. And has a whole new problem in that relationship. Yes. That might be repaired or. Headed for repair at the end of the film because of the way, like, the butterfly effect of different relationships. And then just brief diversion to the women in this film. See clearly that, that they have trauma. Yeah. Alyssa, Jenna Malone's character, clearly has trauma because she's desperate to be in Which we have no everyone. idea what it is, too. Exactly. That's an interesting Because one. her character isn't fully fleshed. We know that Colleen, Mary Steenburgen's character, is also dealing with some type of trauma mm -hmm. because she's engaging in in behavior with, I don't know if it's just Josh. Is that his name? I think it's <laughs> implied that it's like a repeated thing yes. with Josh. Yeah, 
And so it's her daughter's boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and then we don't really get a lot of Robin's story of her trauma too. We get the right. story of the th- of the three men in the film and yeah. and, and, and that trauma. So when well, <laughs> explicitly we only ever get George's. Sam's is comes at from George's. Right. So it's Well they all er, come from right. yeah, from the other. We we can see that everyone else has something. Even you could even assume if you wanted to that the neighbor who calls the cops on them. Why do people you know why are those pe- those people the ones that call their neighbors and yeah. report them to stuff? Because they have other issues they have a stressful life or anything the movie allows you to look at all these different characters and imagine i mean it could do a better job of elaborating on their lives especially the women it's a very male-centric story in the way it's presented though the women do have important roles they are fleshed out and but the movie gives you enough of these people that you can imagine how do they get there and try to figure it out think on that story more if you wanted to we do get one really nice scene with Colleen and Alyssa, where they are in the bedroom sitting on the floor and they are, they do have intimacy and closeness with each other as mother and daughter. And this is even after Alyssa knows that her mother has Mm -hmm. slept with her, her boyfriend and they've had issues, they've yelled at each other, but they still, even despite all of that, still have that mother daughter bond that they show in that scene. So... Going back to George and Robin, we know that because George's time is clearly limited on Earth, and because Robin is married, they don't really have either time or space to cultivate a love. So the only place their love has to go, or the only place it has to live, is in the memories that they shared together. So in order for them both to move on, George from his cancer-ravaged body and Robin from her past hurts with George. They have intimacy in the hospital beds. Of course, we return to the hospital bed. Mm-hmm. That's where he first says he hasn't had intimacy when the, when the nurse touches yeah. his, his head. So we return back to, to the scene of a hospital bed, and they have shared intimacy watching the life that they did build together and Robin told him. And the one happy memory he's referenced earlier in the film. Yes. Of being out in the waves holding his son. And so, despite not being able to move forward, they were still able to exist and create something that would last beyond his life. Yeah. And we also have, of course, Sam's baptism, which I think follows common movie tropes. Normally, we see a hero kind of go below ground. In this case, we see Sam go upstairs into Alyssa's bedroom. But he spends a period of a few days of aloneness there, grieving his father's impending death. And so that's part of the the hero's journey. He has to confront that and then emerges from the room. And he, of course, goes to the ocean. And what I really liked about the scene when he chooses his own baptism or his ability to, to want to move on for himself, he leaves from the ocean and goes straight to his father's hospital bed. So he's soaking wet. And yeah, I I love that. And so we see him fully soaking wet from the baptism, holding his father and embracing love and forgiveness. And we have a resolution in that relationship as as well. We have healing of the intergenerational trauma. I think it even makes the timing of it makes his, you know, baptism because the father has jumped in the water earlier in the film, 
a little less of a cliche is that when we can know as it's happening, he already knows he's set up the Christmas lights on the mm-hmm. house. He is going to go visit his mm-hmm. father so he can see those lights from the hospital and he jumps in between. So it's like, it's not, it doesn't make the jump itself the important moment. It's just a visual metaphor for that whole day. Yeah. And Sam does show George his legacy and the beauty of the Mm -hmm. house with the Christmas lights. And George is then able to pass a torch, not of trauma, but one of love. And he tells his son to to finish it. So we see that moving forward. Sam, of course, has to finish it, so to speak, by going back to the catalyst of the trauma, which was the DUI, which made the young girl. So rather than live in the house himself, he gives it to her as an act of atonement. Mm-hmm. And, and I, lo- I love the way he does it, too, because his mother is saying he could keep it, he could rent it. Like, his father gave it to him, and his father never told him to give it away. But he says, it's, he says it's, maybe it's not what he wanted, but it's what he hoped for. His father wanted him to repair that further damage, even though George isn't there to suffer it anymore. Right. I mean, George's purpose wasn't ultimately about house building. It was about relationship building, about confronting trauma. Mm -hmm. And so I think Sam does exactly what what George would want because we see that Sam truly now has broken that that cycle and is a man who's going to choose love and forgiveness. Because he's, he's still a teenager. He has time to figure out his life. Yes. So... We want to, thinking about statues and monuments being torn down recently yeah. as well, we, we want to build statues and monuments. We want to conquer things. We want to create great art. We want to create great writing. We want to create great podcasts. We want to create things that live forever. But everything, also in Mother, everything is transitory. So while we should absolutely create those things, if we create a life out of learning out of love out of growth out of building intimacy with people if we can really set aside our ego and embrace vulnerability even when it's terrifying especially if we're afraid that people won't love those darkest parts of ourselves that's when we've truly made a life Days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, and then, one not so very special day, I went to my typewriter, I sat down, and I wrote our story. A story about a time, a story about a place, a story about the people, but above all things, about love, a love that will live forever, the end. The great
listening this has been cock and bull minute a tristram shandy story follow us on twitter and instagram at cock bull minute or find us in the facebook listeners group cock and bull pub find more content at lemmingdrops.com